This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Mike Slater. Hey, thanks for being here. I apologize for the technical difficulties. My name is Mike Broomhead. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, in for Slater this week. I apologize. We had some technical issues as I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and the broadcast should have been started a while ago. So we appreciate your patience. we got to dive into a lot of topics. Um, full slate of headlines to get up to for over the last for over the past week we wanted to get to. I was in last Saturday. We talked a little bit about the, re- the religious freedom bills in North Carolina, and then we heard about Georgia and what the Georgia governor did. But in Mississippi, the governor has signed a law. We're going to talk a little bit today because, again, around the country, they're being seen as anti-gay, but they ought to be promoted as pro-freedom. It really isn't about being anti-anyone. And we'll, the same arguments apply. And I wish, I really wish there was a way to have those conversations with people in a dispassionate way. The conversation about abortion, Donald Trump brought that to the forefront again this week with his campaign and the different positions he had. Now a fourth position this week on abortion, which we'll talk about. The Brussels airport partially reopening uh, this weekend. So we'll And a story about the security at the Brussels airport. We know about the White House. If you haven't heard the White House story yet, where there was the, the French leader, Hollande, was speaking and used the phrase Islamist terrorism. And uh, somehow the technical difficulty from the White House video, that that phrase was omitted. It was censored by the White House. If that's true that it was censored, a little bit of a discussion on why they would do that. They didn't say it, but why they would omit it from being um, carried out on the video. And a story today about the college system in California. Now, I'm hearing rumors that this is not um, just in California. There's other places, including the state I live in, my home state of Arizona. But it's an important story about in-state students versus out-of-state students. Tuition is vastly different in in colleges, state colleges around the country for in-state and out-of-state students. So that's going to be a big discussion that we'll do. And um, we've got to talk about the gender-neutral restroom. So there's, with the headlines like that, um, kind of a layout, I'm just doing a quick overview because we got started so late. Let's talk a little bit about the White House and the censored video. It's interesting to me, I would say fascinating to me, that what is happening here is that we've said before, the the leaders in Europe that are dealing right now face-to-face with Islamic terrorism are saying we are at war with Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. Now, I'm paraphrasing. They've used different, they'll say radical Islam, but they will call it what it is. They make the clarification. No one has said we're at war with Islam. That would be ridiculous. We are not at war with Islam. But there are radical Islamic terrorists. They are using the book, the Quran, as a means and an excuse to commit acts of terrorism around the world. I just saw recently, I saw some posts. By the way, I'm a big social media user, so I'm going to throw out ways to find me on social media quite a bit today. Because it's the only way for us to kind of be in touch. I do manage my own accounts, Twitter, Facebook, and I manage my own um, Instagram account where I am I am known for the very blurry pictures of uh, my awesome grandchildren and kids. So I'll put things out for you to see if you want to. You can always find me on Twitter at Broomhead Show. My last name is spelled just like it sounds at Broomhead Show on Twitter, the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook. And I'm just Mike Broomhead, all one word on uh, Instagram if you're an Instagram user. 
interesting things about what's happening in Europe is they are face to face what they are now seeing an uprising of radical Islam. We see plenty of it here as well. Arizona, we just had the first conviction of someone that was connected to ISIS. If you remember the connection between Arizona and Texas, where in Texas they were having that contest for a Muhammad um, painting or, or likeness of Muhammad. And it was largely criticized because it was inflammatory and it was inciting violence. And it's only inciting violence if people think it's violent. And, and what was fascinating, I know I'm going off in a different direction for a moment, but bear with me. The art exhibits that are offensive to many people, not just Christians. We could make, It's very easy because I'm a Christian to say, you can say whatever you want about a Christian, but if you say something about a Muslim, it's in poor taste and it's, it's anything. It really is just about anything. There are so many examples of what they call controversial art exhibits. And when those are seen as controversial and cause and cause outrage in society, they use the reasoning, well, that's what it's supposed to do. That's what art does. Um, And I'm going to use some language or some terms that are um, maybe abrasive. I don't want to I don't want to offend anyone, but I'm just telling you I'm using titles of art exhibits and for anybody that works at the Blaze Radio, I'm not going to say anything that doesn't get you guys pulled off the air or anything, so don't worry about that. But um, there was an art exhibit years ago, um, and I, it was it was it had some money from the National Endowment for the Arts, so it was a federally funded or partially federally funded program. And it's one of the most uh, stark examples of what we're talking about, so I'll continue to use the analogy and the example. But there was an art exhibit in which they took a crucifix, which you know is a ver- is the it is the religious symbol of Catholicism. The difference between a cross and a crucifix is a crucifix still has the crucified Christ on it. But a crucifix, and a, I believe it was a rosary, was put into a jar of urine, and it was called art. And the piece of art was called Piss Christ. That's what it was called. And needless to say, there were many in the Catholic community across the country that were outraged because it was an affront to their faith. And, the, and this was federally funded. The United States government funded part of this art project. And it was art, and it was meant to um, conjure up feelings and be controversial, and that's exactly what art is supposed to do. And these are the things that are important to protect them, and the First Amendment protects these rights especially because the First Amendment's not there to protect the everyday speech between people. After all, it's there to protect the controversial speech. The burning of the U.S. flag, again, protected speech. I think it's an abominable thing to do, but I defend people's rights to burn it because it's a First Amendment protected right. I think it's a horrible thing to do. I don't think you should do it, but I don't think you should be arrested for it either. But if all of that holds true, if all of that is true, if that piece of art should be allowed, now people shouldn't go to it, you don't have to go to it, you have a right to be offended by all of that, but you don't have a right to stop it. As a matter of fact, you're closed-minded if you do then the same holds true when someone holds a Muhammad drawing contest in Texas. The same thing holds true. And someone should be yelling to the Islamists, the ones that would get violent because of it, that they're wrong, and no one did. You know who they blame for being wrong? The people that did the art contest. Now, personally, I wouldn't have done it, and I wouldn't have attended it either. If it was here in my town, I wouldn't have gone. Not my thing. I have no reason to poke anybody with a stick. But that doesn't mean that the same rules don't apply to those people that did with the art exhibit years ago. There were two men 
from Glendale, Arizona, which is a is another major city just to the west of Phoenix. And there's a mosque there. And two men from the Glendale Mosque made their way to Texas with rifles. And uh, they made the mistake of forgetting they were going to Texas with rifles because they didn't even make it to the steps of the exhibit before they were gunned down. Well, that trial of, a, of another person involved in that case ended with convictions on all counts for terrorism here. Islamic fundamentalist terrorism. So when uh, French President Francois Hollande um, comments this week, he said, we are also making sure that between Europe and the United States, there can be a very high level of coordination. But we're also well aware that the roots of terrorism, Islamist terrorism, is in Syria and in Iraq. We therefore have to act both in Syria and in Iraq. And this is what we're doing within the framework of the coalition. He said this following a meeting at the summit between his office and the president. And he used the phrase Islamist terrorism. Somehow that didn't make it out in the video. The White House said it was a technical glitch. It's amazing that the technical difficulty, we had technical difficulties here today for about 30 minutes of this show. Amazing that the only technical glitch in that video release was the technical glitch that excluded Islamist terrorism. Our allies, our closest friends, the ones that truly built the coalition and stood side by side with us in the face of what happened after 9-11. Whether you agree with Iraq or you don't, they went with us. The French, the Germans, the British, all across Europe stood side by side with America when it was time to do something after 9-11. And we won't even call it Islamic terrorism. The White House won't say it. The State Department won't say it. No one will say it in in the administration. And our allies are being blown to bits in their cities. It seems to me to be a little bit hypocritical of us. In a moment, um, I want to talk. Uh, Sarah Palin took a shot at Glenn Beck. The story's at theblaze.com. Um, Sarah Palin took a veiled shot at Glenn Beck over something that I, I was with Glenn at the event that she took a shot at him over. And uh, it is, it, and I've um, got a weird rapport with uh, Sarah Palin. I don't know her. Um, I've been at a few events with her. She used to live in Arizona, or at least had a house here. I think they've sold it. But I've had a number of interactions with Mrs. Palin, and I've always had a lot of respect for Sarah Palin. I've never had any axe to grind with her. But what she did at this dinner and taking a shot at Ted Cruz and Glenn Beck was uh, was really sad because I do resp- or I have respected her. What she did was wrong, and I want you to hear in context what she said. And uh, my defense, not just of Glenn and of Ted Cruz, but my defense of what happened, and maybe a lot of you as well. There are a lot of you that should be offended by this because you were a part of this uh, through your donations as well. So we'll talk about this here in just a couple of moments when we get back here. I've got to take a break very quickly. My name is Mike Broomhead, and I'm in This is The Slater Show. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Mm-hmm. 
the founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this uh, this company, he's you know he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, "If this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this?" So he started a company, and it went into business. I think three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is real estate agents. I later on the blaze radio network thanks for being here uh mike broom had in for slater this week i'm going to be in uh today till you know for the next couple of hours thanks for being here and thanks for making me a part of the weekend um i appreciate the social media interaction from a lot of people as well and i'll be answering some of the tweets and we can talk if you have anything you want to discuss if you shoot a tweet out i'll get to that at broomhead show we'll talk about some things this thing that bothered me about sarah palin and i apologize for making everything about me um, and it's not. Not everything is about me. Um, but Sarah Palin stumping for Donald Trump. And on Friday, um, she was speaking at a dinner. And she contends that other candidates didn't want to talk about immigration or the border. And um, first of all, other candidates, she means Ted Cruz. That's what she's talking about. Um, and of course, Glenn is a huge supporter and surrogate for Senator Cruz. Um, I'll be honest with you. I I support Ted Cruz. This story matters to me because I was at the event she's talking about. Um, they say now because he beat the media on the issue, um, but knowing that Trump won on that issue, it should empower you to go ahead and ask the candidates, Palin said. What the heck are you thinking, candidates? What the heck are you thinking when you're going ahead and asking for more illegal immigrants? Welcoming them. Even inducing them and seducing them with gift baskets. Come on over the border. Here's a gift basket or a teddy bear or a soccer ball. What are you thinking? It's just inviting more. Um, what she's talking about is the event that uh, Glenn did through um, his charity at Mercury. And the donations of many of uh, Beck supporters, of many people donating money. And what he did was a humanitarian mission to the tens of thousands of kids that were being taken across the border by the drug cartels and dumped on the American side of the border and left to try to find the Border Patrol because the cartels didn't want to confront the Border Patrol. And while we were there... We heard story after story after story of the plight of people there. Never once did I or anybody associated with this condone or want illegal immigration. I've got a picture on my phone. If I can, well, I'm going to find this picture and tweet it out. There's a boy that can't be more than eight years old sitting on a cot by himself 
holding a toy, holding a Woody story toy, one of those toys that we gave those kids to induce them to come over here by himself for days until they could figure out if there's a family member here, until he got a trial that the president set up this program. What he's talk, what she's talking about with other candidates is because of the poor immigration um, policies of the president, not of Ted Cruz, because Ted Cruz and Mike Lee were down there. So was Alveda King. So was Glenn Beck. So was I. So was Dana Lesh. And you look at those kids. And all we did was try to serve the humanitarian side of what's happening to children. They found a five-year-old good in the, girl in the woods that had nothing with her but a backpack and a note that she had a family member somewhere. They abandoned a paralyzed child on the shores of the river, couldn't move, couldn't get up, couldn't leave until the Border Patrol found him. Fortunately, found him before he died. Children grabbing onto people, asking someone to take them home. And Sarah Palin wants to make it about politics and go after Ted Cruz because he dared to go down there with Glenn Beck. Shame on Sarah Palin. And I never thought I'd say that about her. Shame on Sarah Palin. I don't care where you stand on the issue. Using that for political gain was just below the belt. Coming up next hour, we'll talk about a campaign update. We'll also talk about gender-neutral restrooms. Listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Thrilled to be here. Mike Broomhead in for Mike Slater. Be in for another couple of hours. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for making me a part of the weekend. Here's what we've got going on this hour. We are going to talk about a campaign update. What's going on? Hillary Clinton at a big, big event. Um, warning you, this is uh, this may not be for, for some consumption. Um, Hillary Clinton showed up in an event wearing leather. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Thankfully for you, I'm not going to share the pictures of that event, but yes, she did. Showing a little bit of her wild side at an event. So we'll discuss the campaign update. She's very upset with everybody that's not supporting her. She's finally starting to lose a little bit of her cool Bernie Sanders getting under her skin. We'll talk about that. Gender neutral restrooms, gender neutrality. We will discuss it because it's happening all across the country. Is it the right thing to do? And am I a transphobe or some kind of phobe because I say it shouldn't be that way? And one parent is begging the schools in the state of Michigan not to make her daughter shower with the boys. So it's it sounds almost like a silly topic in the grand scheme of what's going on in the world, but it's the America we live in today. It is the America we live in today. And we got to get a grip on it. And before we're done this afternoon, we're going to talk about the college system in the state of California. And I'm hearing that it's not specific to California. And I have an update on the Veterans Administration. I did a big town hall meeting uh, over the week, over, over the last week, with Senator McCain from Arizona here in Arizona. And I realize there's a lot of people that listen to this network that are not big fans of Senator McCain. 
And uh, Senator McCain is one of my senators here in the state of Arizona. He is the chairman of the Armed Services Committee. And um, to be very honest, his office has worked very hard with me on the VA issue. I have been very, very vocal about the fact that if I don't feel like I'm getting help, if I'm being used, I'm going to say that. But so far, I, I said to the senator, if we do this town hall meeting again, there needs to be some kind of a plan that people can see of how there are going to be changes. And the and the senator, true to his word, did do it. So whether you agree with me or not about allowing or including or being a part of this, um, we'll talk about the Veterans Administration. And I, I can promise you, my heart for the veterans comes from a very good place. Uh, most of you know my story of how I got into radio to begin with. It's because I lost a brother in Iraq in 03, and um, I've had the privilege of meeting many veterans since. I've had the privilege of meeting the men that were with my brother the night he died, and I can be very honest with you in saying they are the best that our country has to offer. And what we have done by not keeping our word to them on the very basics of health care should be one of the biggest black marks against the American people and the American government in our history. And uh, we'll discuss that before the show is over. Um, Bernie Sanders sets a fundraising record. Uh, One of the things that's not being talked about, I I don't blame anybody in the media that is talking about the dysfunction in the Republican Party. Come on. We we, uh, people in the and I'm a registered Republican. I'm going to stay that way. I've said before, uh, I am still a Puritan. I still believe we can fix it. Um, And I may join the pilgrims. I may jump out and join you at some point. But I'm still in the party. And not active. I, I don't take a role in the party, but I'm a registered Republican voter. Um, and anybody that points out the dysfunction in the Republican Party, I mean, we put the funk in dysfunction. Let's be honest. I, no problem with what they're doing. But if you don't think that the Democrats are just as afraid, I've got to tell you, um, there are now stories, not in the not in what they would call the alternative media, but in what is known as the traditional media. That there are some very high ranking people in the Federal Bureau of Investigation and other federal agencies that will retire and leave the business if there is not some form of indictment against Hillary Clinton because of the email scandal. She has had to admit she's made mistakes. She said a lot of things, and her story has changed 16 times. I find it interesting. I will defend people when they deserve it, even if I'm not necessarily a supporter. I find it interesting that Donald Trump justifiably is being criticized for his different positions on abortion. He should have had a clear-cut point to me. He made a fourth story about abortion. That is still a headline. Hillary Clinton and her email server story has changed four or five times, and every time she says it with the same conviction, she said it the time before. But you mean to tell me there's not dysfunction on that side of the aisle? Hillary Clinton is the candidate right now, no doubt. You want to talk about, they say the Republicans are going to try to take the nomination from Donald Trump. They may change the rules of the convention. The Democrats have people called superdelegates. A superdelegate has no allegiance to anybody. They can vote the way they want. Bill Clinton is a superdelegate. Now, he says, just like when Barack Obama was the nominee, he'll vote for the nominee. He's not going to side one way or the other. He'll wait until a nominee has been chosen. And whichever nominee is going to win, he'll go. So if Bernie wins the nomination, if Bernie gets to the magic number, he'll get Bill Clinton's vote. That is what he's promised. But not everybody. The superdelegates in New York, that's where this story came from. The superdelegates in New York have already said they don't care. If Bernie Sanders somehow pulls off a win in New York and he's closed the gap to about 10 points, they don't care. They're going with Hillary. 
So there's plenty of dysfunction over there. Washerman Schultz, she doesn't even want to talk about Bernie Sanders. She won't talk about socialism and what socialism is. Bernie Sanders sets a fundraising record, and he's a socialist. He's not even a Democrat. He is a self-affirmed socialist, and he may be their candidate. Are they going to take it from him? You bet they're going to try to take it from him. But all eyes are on the Republicans and the dysfunction there. We talked last hour um, about the White House omitting the statements by Francois Hollande and his statements uh, using the phrase Islamist terrorism. There is such a thing. Islamist terrorism is alive and well. Um, so this hour, we'll, I'm going to spend a few minutes about this campaign update to get into more of this. The VA, uh, the update, military suicides are still way up. Veteran and active duty military suicides are, are alarmingly high. And part of it has to do with the lack of health care, mental health care and health care that veterans. And I don't know why we differentiate between the two mental health. You know, if you are if you have a mental illness, it's the same as any other illness. We don't ostracize people that have physical illnesses, but somehow we lump everyone that's suffering with some kind of mental illness into the same category of dangerous. And it's just not fair. It's not the right thing to do. But it's also not accurate. There's so many levels of this, and we should be treating people. It would be no, if somebody came back from the Middle East with a physical injury, they injured their back, we would think there's no problem with them getting physical therapy for however long it takes to get them healthy again because they received the injury while serving their country overseas or anywhere else. Why don't we have the same standard with mental health care? Why are we allowing veterans and, and members of our active duty members of our military in the reserves or in the National Guard or active duty? Why are we allowing them to get to a place mentally where they feel the best option is ending it all? The permanent option to a temporary problem. That's what suicide is called. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. That's the t- statistic. We know it. We hate it. We think it's abysmal, and yet somehow we let it continue. And an update about the Brussels airport is it's opening for passengers once again. But a story about the police union for the men and women in Brussels that protect the citizens and the number of ISIS supporters that actually work at the airport, some of them having access to aircraft. That's a true story. So I'm going to get to the campaign update a little bit more. Around the horn we'll go with Cruz, with uh, with Trump, with Kasich, with Clinton, with Sanders. We'll talk about the campaign update here in a few moments. Then we'll talk about the VA. Then we'll talk about ISIS and Brussels, all of that coming up this hour. So we'll take a quick break. We'll get on top of this here in just a moment. I am at Broomhead Show on Twitter. By the way, I've tweeted out that picture of the little boy I talked about in the last hour where uh, Sarah Palin criticized. She was criticizing Ted Cruz without saying his name. And she alluded to an event that I was at on the border in McAllen, Texas, with Glenn Beck, with, with so many people. And it was supported by many people that donated to Mercury who did this for the express purpose of just humanitarian aid to human beings. And for her to blame Ted Cruz and anybody who would do such a thing for the reasons people come here when we all know that the real reasons people are coming here are becoming the failed policies of this president. It's beneath the dignity of the Sarah Palin I know. I don't know her well. I don't know her well, but I know her. Shame on Sarah Palin. And I tweeted out the picture of this little boy 
while we were touring these facilities where they bring these children in, tens of thousands of these kids were pouring across the border in McAllen, Texas. They were trying to find places to house them, bring them in, medically screen them, get them fed, get them clean, get them clean clothes. We brought them down humanitarian supplies to the people that were rendering the aid. And touring one of those places, I saw this little boy in like an army tent sitting on a cot, just sitting there. All by himself. We've got to do something about illegal immigration. But I'll be damned if I'm going to say I was ashamed of helping these kids. I've saved that picture on my phone now for a couple of years. And every time I see it, that boy makes me cry. I've got grandsons. The idea of one of them sitting alone on a cot in a strange country makes me tear up. Shame on anybody who criticizes what we did there. Talk about the campaign here in just a few moments. We'll get an update. This is the Mike Slater Show. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Part of the next generation of talk radio, this is Mike Slater. All right, it's Mike Broom heading for Slater. Uh, my little gift for you. Here's my gift. It's, it's, it's too late for April Fool's Day, and it is, But uh, it's, and this is no joke, but it's my little gift to all of you. Putting the image of in your brain uh, that I'm about to talk about is my little gift with my sick, twisted mind to you. Hillary Clinton was speaking at an event for the LGBT community, an event in Soho. Um, and uh, the Democratic leading campaign ran a red light on her way out of town. Stars there included Rosie O'Donnell, Billie Jean King, former Representative Barney Frank, celebrating his 78th birthday, or 76th birthday, sorry. Didn't want to make him older than he is. They were all in the house. Um, She told everyone, I have a million more votes than Donald, and oh, by the way, I have two and a half million more than Bernie Sanders. We're also told that the Boobirds came out when guest speakers mentioned Sanders. In recent days, the Clinton campaign had complained about the senator. Um, She asked the crowd, don't you love my jacket? I thought really hard about what I'd wear tonight being a fashion icon. Uh, This is my one and only piece of leather clothing. Um, There you have it. I hope that's a true story. I hope that's not an April Fool's joke. I hope that's not an April Fool's joke. Um... So uh, Bernie Sanders sets a fundraising record. Bernie Sanders' signature talking point is that his presidential campaign is sustained by small individual donations of $27 apiece. And he does not rely on super PACs and big money support. This aspect seems to be resonating with people. The Sanders campaign set a record in February with $43.5 million. But last month, they surpassed that total with $44 million. He raised a half a million dollars more in the month of March. So there's the Democrat uh, fight there. Hillary Clinton is the establishment. If there's one thing the country does not like right now, it's the establishment. There's no doubt about it. And you can see Bernie Sanders with a growing amount of support. Now, to ask yourself, everybody's expecting Cleveland 
to be chaos with a contested convention, and what are the Republicans going to do? And you look at what happens with the Democrats. Bernie Sanders has got some gra- a groundswell of support, as hard as it is for me to believe, that we have come to a day and age in American society where even the Democrats will support raw socialism, because that's what it is. What's fascinating is on the issues, when you start talking to people about the issues, and I wish I still had the story in front of me, millennials, the ones that are really supporting Bernie Sanders, love what Bernie Sanders is talking about until they have to pay for it. It's phenomenal to read it. When you talk to people about higher insurance premiums in order to pay for insurance for people that make less money, everybody's for it. While they're on their parents' health insurance still. Because, you know, what are you allowed to be, like, 38 years old and still be on your parents' health insurance? And um, they are very in favor of higher premiums until they buy their own insurance. And then that number plummets to below 50%. Everybody likes the idea of paying more money until they hear that Bernie Sanders wants to do it to families that are making $40,000 a year. If he is going to do this to families making $40,000 a year, what do you think he's going to do to people that are making more money? But they love him. They don't know what socialism is, but they love him because he's not the establishment. On the Republican side, Donald Trump had a meeting with Reince Priebus, and Priebus said to him, you know, we we will support the nominee, and I'm sure they wanted to hear from Donald that he's going to start talking more presidential if he gets the nomination. They're looking for some assurance that uh, Donald Trump, if he loses the nomination, isn't going to pack up a bunch of his of his uh, supporters and head, you know, just out of the outskirts of Cleveland, go to Euclid or go to Sandusky or something, and uh, and start his own convention of a third party. They're trying to show unity. Well, this isn't the time yet for that. We'll wait until we see who the nominee is. Ted Cruz gets criticized because he went to an event on the border in McAllen, Texas. I'm going to keep talking about this issue because it makes me angry. I never thought I would say the word shame on Sarah Palin, ever. Never did I think I would say those words. But my gosh, to criticize an event that was just a humanitarian effort for thousands of kids that were already here is un-American. I'm sorry. I mean, what we did was the American thing to do. Nothing that was done on the border was done to entice people to come here. I have been as strong on the border issue as anybody else. I live in a border state. I've been in a border state for 21 years. Been in the construction world my entire life. I grew up in Florida. Where the Cuban, um, the Mariel Cuban boat lifts happened. I know amazing immigrants to this country. I know the people that have done it legally. And I'm sorry to make everything about me. I hate doing this. I hate this part of me, me, me stuff. I'm, But I was there. I feel as if she was criticizing me. Follow me on Twitter, at Broomhead Show. Take a look at the tweet. I tweeted out a picture of a little boy sitting on a cot. And with that, we got criticized for because now it's campaign season. You can say anything about anybody as long as it's a part of a political campaign, I guess. I'm part of the people praying for Todd Palin and his injuries and, and how horrible it was for that family in that snow, snowmobile accident. And Sarah Palin goes out and throws every one of us who either donated money or showed up on the, uh, on the border under the bus because she's campaigning for Donald Trump and he wants to beat Ted Cruz. By the way, Ted Cruz showed up down there and so did Mike Lee. 
So did Alveda King, by the way. It's just sad. Sad what the campaigns have come to. We're going to find out. Are we going to get to a contested convention in Cleveland? And if we do, then what happens? Do the rules change? Because Donald Trump was told he doesn't anticipate any rules changing. If that's the case, there's only two people eligible. And that would be Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. Kasich hasn't won eight states. So if they don't change that rule, him or anybody else that's been on the ballot has no shot. By the way, Carl Rove goes out and said, hey, listen, just give us a chance. Why don't we scrap all the candidates that the people have been voting for all of these months and donating hundreds of millions of dollars to? Let's just scrap all the candidates and let us just prop up a ticket that we know America is going to love. What's happened to Carl Rove? Is he kidding? Is he kidding that the Republican Party is going to prop up a unity ticket and say, these are our candidates. Now, everybody in the country, including independent voters, wrap your arms around them. Doesn't make sense to me. In a moment, an update on the Veterans Administration in a town hall meeting. It's something called Care Veterans Deserve. It's an initiative we'll talk about. And U.S. military suicides remain high for the seventh straight year. What we can do about it, what we should be doing about it. All of that coming up here in the next half hour of the show. We'll also bring you an update on ISIS and the Brussels airport. So all that's coming up in the next half hour. It's going to be a big one. Stick around. You're going to love what's next. My name is Mike Broomhead. This is the Mike Slater Show. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. And thanks for being here. Mike Broomhead in for Slater. Um, get to some phone calls. I'm going to get to this military. The military suicide rate is so high. The Veterans Administration still still quite a mess. Asking for some help from the Congress. I know. I know. Um, and I've been getting some help from Senator John McCain's office. I'm in Arizona. He's Arizona Senator, Chairman of the Armed Services Committee. His office has been helpful. And um, I'm, I'm beating my head against the wall because I cannot believe this despicable mess we're in. And it started in Phoenix, Arizona, where I live. We're going to get to it in a moment. But I believe the caller is Lisa. Is that right? In Kentucky. Could you bring the call up? Hello, Lisa. Yes. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Go right ahead. Thank you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to say that I believe what Glenn Beck did at the border was very noble. And and I think his intentions were pure and that he was doing everything he knew to, you know, to, you know, help the situation. Another thing I wanted to say is Obama, you know, done a terrible job, and he's he's put us at odds with us with each other, and it's just a he's to blame. But anyway, what I would suggest is if they just took the supplies and the charity down to the other the countries, into countries instead of at our border. That's all I would have changed about that. And, uh, and and here's the uh, the reason why we did this, and, and the reason why I really brought it up was because I felt personally offended, so I would just wanted to say my piece on the air, but I can tell you that the reason why we did it the way we did, and I, I don't want to speak for Glenn, I can just tell you from when we were there, 
is that there were so many kids so fast coming across the border that weren't being stopped and it wasn't being stopped by the administration that the town of McAllen, Texas, the churches and other places were just so overwhelmed. The humanitarian effort was to help the kids that were already there because that's where the problem was. They were just overwhelmed with space to get the kids to for food and other things that were necessary that they literally were bringing down semi-loads of supplies to try to offset this small little town in Texas being overwhelmed at the border with all of these kids. So that's why it was done on this side of the border instead of the other because there were literally, I think that time, 70,000 kids. And so there was such a need that instead of fighting about the border, we just went down there to help fill the need. And it was a noble exercise. And obviously at that time could have never had any idea it was going to play a part in a presidential campaign. And I wouldn't criticize it at all. I would. Right, I would have I just it. said, I, I, I just, you know, it's just, it's just, Obama has done this to us, and it's sad, and it's just a mess, and, and, you know. It is. It is, Lisa. I appreciate the call. I, I appreciate. Have a good weekend. I appreciate the call, and that's, that's the thing is that in the end, I think even when Sarah Palin had said this herself other times about this being an administrative problem. And listen, I don't want to make everything about politics. It is about policy. And the policy of this administration is not about getting rid of people in the country illegally. We've heard it over and over and over again. Uh, what's Is it Susan Saldana, the head of um, ICE, that she was talking about why they didn't put an ice hold on that guy that caused the car crash that killed that woman, but she wasn't dead when she went to the hospital. And that was her excuse, from my understanding, she was only injured. She hadn't died. And the, the congressional committee she was testifying in front of said, what do you, what do you talk? I mean, someone's got to die before you put a hold on them. That turned out to be a lie. Um, I live in a border state. I understand. I also understand the plight of people that want to come to America for a better life. That's not what we're talking about here. And for I, I can't even blame Donald Trump for this. It'd be easy for me now to go the other way with the campaign because I'm a Cruz supporter to go after Donald Trump for this. I know, I mean, I've been at events with Sarah Palin. I don't want to say I know her. I don't know her. I don't know if she could pick me out of a lineup. She'd remember my face if she saw me somewhere, but she doesn't know me and I don't know her. But I've been with her at events. I have an, a, a lot of respect for Sarah Palin. We've done some charity events in Arizona together and um, I've always had respect for her. For her to turn that trip to the border and the border issue into a campaign event and criticize and throw people under the bus that we're trying to do the right humanitarian thing for small children shows you that just about anybody can climb into the mud when it comes to American politics. Because either she's ignorant about what really happened down there or she doesn't care what really happened down there and just wanted to make some points with the people in the room. Either one is sad. Very quickly, let me get to the the update about the Veterans Administration. Uh, The VA, you know the debacle that happened to the VA, began in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where it was first discovered. And it turned out to be a nationwide problem where it was happening in hospitals and VA clinics across the country where they were falsifying records. They were making it look as if veterans were getting into clinics within 30 days because that's the threshold. By the way, the threshold is ridiculous. I want... Anyone within the sound of my voice that has health insurance to tell me that you'd wait 30 days to see a doctor and find it acceptable if that was the timeline. Honestly, if something's wrong with you, if you're just sick, you've got the flu, and you call your primary care physician, and they say the first appointment we have is in 26 days, you're going to find another doctor, and so would I. 
Their standard is 30 days. By the way, just so you know, the standard in the prison systems is 24 hours. If an inmate has a complaint and is not well, they see a doctor within 24 hours. So if it's good enough for America's inmates, why isn't it good enough for America's veterans? That's my first question. But the problems were discovered in Phoenix, Arizona first. It took 26 months to fire the woman responsible. She wasn't fired for that. She was fired for something else. And now we're beginning to hear about firings of the VA, and it's taken forever. Why does it take forever? They're protected. You can't fire them. They're they're legislatively protected jobs. They have a system they can go through that can take up to 26 or 28, 30 months to fire somebody. And even then, it takes an act of Congress. So you're not going to get accountability if there aren't any repercussions for bad behavior. So I sat down with uh, Senator McCain's office and I said, listen, I'm not doing any more town halls. And I'll be honest, I'm not giving anybody an ultimatum in Congress. I'm not. John McCain has no reason to listen to me. And if I give John McCain an ultimatum, he's going to walk away from me. So it wasn't an ultimatum. But I said, if we're going to do another town hall, because we've done two previously, I said, Senator, we've got to bring people solutions. We've got to show people there's something that's being done. So he rolled out an initiative that is calling the Care Veterans Deserve Initiative, along with legislation that he believes will be passed this year. I'm saying this because I want you to help me keep them accountable for what they're doing. Part of it is oversight. What's interesting is part of what he said in the long term is peer review. Now, we have Mayo Clinic here in Arizona, and it is a, a, a one of the it is one of the shining jewels of Arizona. They are the best of the best at Mayo. Why wouldn't you take the people at Mayo into the Veterans Hospital and let them do a peer review of what they're doing and make recommendations on changes? When the senator said that, they laughed in the room. They had every right to laugh in the room because the VA is going to laugh in the faces of any suggestion because there's no repercussion. There's nobody in the Veterans Administration that's going to get fired if they don't perform. There was a nurse that was suspended because she performed surgery drunk out of her mind. It's going to take two years to fire her. Two years. She will sit at home and collect a paycheck. They don't have enough doctors. They're over, they are overwrought, but nobody's fixing the problem. You know why? There's no oversight. So in the short term, rolling out the choice card more nationally so that veterans can get a hold of the choice card and they can go to any doctor they choose. Here is the way it should work. If you're a veteran, you get the golden ticket. You have a choice card that allows you to show it to any doctor in any specialty, anywhere, and get care. And then by using that, that doctor knows you're going to, he's going or she's going to get paid to serve you. So if you've got a problem with your back, you don't have to wait four months to see a primary care doctor at the VA to say, yep, you've got a bad back. We're going to send you to a specialist. You go to a specialist. Need an MRI? Get an MRI. It's called the choice card. Expand the program. Believe it or not, the choice card program in the limited scope of the way it was rolled out was rolled out by two senators, John McCain and Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Get it expanded nationally. Take the pressure off the VA hospitals by allowing the veterans to go elsewhere. Because the Veterans Administration is amazing when it comes to traumatic brain injuries, TBI, PTSD, prosthetics. Allow them to serve the patients there and then allow the veterans that want to go someplace else 
the ability. They've earned it. So the update is the Care Veterans Deserve Initiative. There's some legislation that they're pushing through for more oversight and more accountability in the VA. Will it pass this year? Will the president sign it? That's the question. Ultimately, in this election cycle, and I hope all of you that are veterans, if you have an opportunity to question one of the candidates for president, the next president of the United States ultimately is the one who can make the biggest changes at the VA. Replace a lot of people that serve at the pleasure of the president. Sign the pieces of legislation that are passed in the Congress that give the Congress more oversight, the ability. It's easy to lay things at the feet of the union. That's always an easy target. I'm no big fan of unions, but they are they are protecting bad people. Break the unions where it's necessary. Take away their power to protect bad people. Get rid of the bad people so that the good people, the vast majority of the good people that work in the Veterans Administration, and that is the case, the vast majority of the people at the VA are there to serve the veterans. But you've got to get rid of the dead weight. You've got to get rid of the people that are not doing their jobs and make it possible. The story in front of me says U.S. military suicides remain high for a seventh year. Next year, that should say they've plummeted. Military suicides have plummeted. We should be a part of making that happen. The Brussels airport is supposed to open um, to passengers, at least in a limited in limited scope soon, if it hasn't already happened. We are going to talk about the police union in Brussels and what they say about ISIS supporters working, employed by, working at the airport. We'll do that here in a moment. In the next hour, we're going to talk about the California college system, gender-neutral restrooms, and a religious freedom bill. All of that is going to be coming up in the next hour. This is the Mike Slater Show. Mike Slater. On the Blaze Radio Network. They say as many as 50, 5-0 ISIS sympathizers, ISIS supporters are working at the Brussels airport, many of them with access to aircraft. I want to get to that in a moment as uh, as if that isn't uh, ridiculous enough. We were talk- we've been talking about, and thank you for the social media retweets and comments about the border situation with the, the, the event we did at the border a couple of years ago with Glenn. And the outrageous comment. And I just think it was an outrageous comment. I don't think she meant it as outrageously as it was said. Um, I don't think she expected to hurt anybody's feelings necessarily. But Sarah Palin making some outrageous comments, in my opinion, about an event that I attended. So I have firsthand knowledge of what was happening down there. We have a call about it. A man named John in Kentucky. Can you bring him up? John, welcome to the Mike Slater Show. I'm Mike Broomhead. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, first, I, I just want to say I'm, I'm grateful for um, the network and uh, for your show and those of your colleagues. It uh, really helps get through the day, some of well, these thank days you. anyway. Thank you. Uh, the, the, what I wanted to offer was that I think for, for Senator Cruz and uh, I think you mentioned Senator Lee attended the um, the um, The event. Yeah, they were down there. The, I just think that that shows on their part that that they have a very sound moral compass. Um, I think under the political climate that we have now, it might have been more politically expedient for them to have avoided the whole thing. 
but uh, I, I think it shows uh, on their part a, a sound conscience uh, to, you know, to try to lend a hand. And for Senator Cruz, being a public, being being one of the senators from there, he, he's a public servant for Texas and, and, and has an obligation uh, to help out where he can. Yeah, and it's That's interesting, it, anyway. and, and I appreciate that. And what's interesting about that, John, is that they were there observing and they were taking on a tour of some of the intake facilities at some of the organizations there. They kind of, the government got involved with some local organizations to build places or at least uh, get places temporarily in place. What they did were bringing the kids in. They would get them medically checked and cleared. Then they would take them and get them fed and clean, got some clean clothing, bringing donations in and allowing these kids to be able to do some things. And these kids were literally housed in places. So there was a tour given for Senator Cruz and Senator Lee and, and uh, uh, the uh, um, Alveda King was down there. Um, and so it was just it was for them fact-finding as much as it was showing support. And I think you're right. It was the right thing for them to do as a part of the legislative body, and especially for Senator Cruz because he's a senator for Texas. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. John, I appreciate anyway, the call. I appreciate the thank, support. Thank All right, have a good weekend. And it's uh, – Again, I don't want to belabor the point. It's not my intention to beat up Sarah Palin ever. I don't want to beat up anybody. But I felt like I got kicked with that statement. Uh, I was a part of that effort. I mean, I literally, I don't, it's easier to make me cry now that I get older. I mean, really to tear up about something, especially now that I've got grandkids and there's a face on something now when I'm looking at the future. But to watch the faces of children, I have pictures of this girl at the time my oldest grandson was about the age of this little girl and this little girl was looking at a picture of my grandson i had him on my phone she was just overjoyed she had no idea about the controversy going on outside of the gates of where she was staying uh she was just happy to have some food you know um they were there it wasn't that we were enticing anyone to come what do we do what do we do I, I wish they had a better home in their homeland. I wish we could help them that way. Um, in the next hour, though, California college system, the Mississippi governor religious freedom bill, and gender-neutral restrooms. That seems to be the theme across the country. All of that in the next hour of the Mike Slater Show. My name is Mike Broomhead. I am in Phoenix, Arizona. At Broomhead Show on Twitter, uh, the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook, and Mike Broomhead on Instagram. Stick around. You're going to love what's next. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, thanks for being here. It is The Slater Show. My name is Mike Broomhead, Phoenix, Arizona. Catch up on the headlines, what's been going on all week long. Looking forward into the week ahead and uh, get you caught up. This hour, we talk about the California college system. It's very important because you should start looking into the college system in your state. I guess state to state is different. Uh, the state I live in, our constitution, our state constitution is pretty, um, pretty specific. The state universities, which there are three of them here, Arizona State University, the University of Arizona, and Northern Arizona University, those three universities must remain as close to free as possible for in-state students. Now, 
A lot of leeway and close to free as possible. Just ask anybody who's trying to pay for a college education at one of those three universities. But across the country, the university systems are different. In the state of California, we'll talk about theirs because the story is out that they are accepting out-of-state and foreign students at a much higher rate than they are and have been in recent years in-state students. And the in-state students, many of them much more qualified for the seats in the classroom. Why? Well, of course, the answer is money. We'll tell you the dollars involved here. That's a reason for you to start looking around your state to find out what they're doing for in-state students. And they're all, of course, they're blaming it on lack of funding. So we'll get to that this hour. We're also going to talk about the Mississippi governor signing a religious freedom bill. And I'm going to keep calling it that. It shouldn't even be religious freedom. It is a freedom bill. It's a freedom of choice bill. We'll talk about that in the fallout from the LGBTQ community. And, uh, of course, we will discuss as well gender-neutral restrooms. The ridiculousness of that has nothing to be do with being transphobic or anything else. It has everything to do with comfort. And it really has, com- has to do with comfort for the transgender community as well. So whose comfort wins out? That will all be in this hour. The headlines, of course, Bernie Sanders sets a fundraising record, $44 million in the month of March. Bernie Sanders says he gets the majority of his donations in $27 increments from individuals. He doesn't rely on super PACs or big corporations. This is the will of the people. And man, is he resonating. With people on the left, he is resonating. When I was coming to the radio station today to do the show prep, I stopped at a, to get a drink at a convenience store. And... Um, there was a girl checking out in front of me, young young girl. She may be early 20s. And she was getting gas and getting into her car as I drove past her car. She had a Feel the Burn bumper sticker on her car. And I wish I had seen the bumper sticker before I saw before she was getting in her car because I would have asked her. I just would have genuinely wanted to know why. What is it about Bernie Sanders that's attractive to you? Because young people love him. Young people on the left love him. The the tickle their ears with free college is one thing, but it's easily explained away. You can easily say to somebody, someone's going to have to pay for this. So you're going to get free college now, but when you're older, your taxes for the rest of your life, trust me, it's going to be much less expensive for you to pay off your student loans in the, in the short term. In the long run, it's going to cost you much more money. It's easy. If you can show them the math, would they turn away from it? What is it about his idea? Is it the, the that everybody hates big corporations? Bernie, he ran, Bernie Sanders ran commercials on our radio station, and I'm sure it's all over the country. I'm at a station called KFYI in Phoenix. He ran them at one of our brother stations here, one of our FM music stations, that said, hey, I'm going to break apart the big banks, and uh, all of these big banks that got the bailouts are even bigger now than they were before. They were too big to fail. They got all this money. Now they're even bigger. I'm going to break them up. They're going to follow the rules. Are they going to like me? No, but you can believe they're going to do what they're told. And man, people love that idea. Even people on the right that use the phrase banksters and the big banks are responsible. It tickles their ears when you hear someone say we're going to break them up. Bernie Sanders is is not hiding who he is. He's a socialist. And he is telling people that they are going to pay more in taxes. There was a guy that at a, at a rally has been pretty publicized. Said, you know, I only make 40 grand a year. Yeah, you're going to pay more taxes. You know, and his supporters love it. Love it. What is it that they love? And I'd like to be able to figure that out. I would love to be able to figure that out. What is it about that? 
Um, Hillary Clinton, of course, she wants to give away the farm, just you know, not to the same degree, but it's all about giveaways on the left. She talks about Donald Trump and his stance on abortion and, con- and converts that over to all Republicans. And the same conversation needs to be had, but nobody will ask the questions. I don't understand why nobody will at least be devil's advocate and ask the questions. You don't have to call Hillary Clinton a baby killer. I, I'm not saying go and do that. But you can say to her, what about people that believe it's a human life? I mean, how do you step on somebody else's feelings or somebody else's true belief that that is a human life? Really, if we had that conversation, if I took someone at their word that they believe that it's not a human life, but and this is more about their right to choose what's right for their body, and I had to try to have a civil conversation with them about why I believe it is a human life and that they should be able to do whatever they want with their body as long as it doesn't injure their child. It's interesting for the segment, the people that believe that it's not a human life, that a woman's right to choose an abortion is nothing more than a medical procedure, are just as outraged and horrified if they were to do something damaging to their child outside of the womb. They would be just as outraged at a woman that was smoking a cigarette while seven months pregnant that was going to keep the baby as you or I would be. But just a short time before that, it would be okay for her to terminate that pregnancy. It's just a conversation that if we try to get to the bottom of it, maybe we could understand each other a little bit more. I'm as passionate about the issue as you are, I think. It just, I don't understand how it works together. And I wish I could do that dispassionately, have that conversation. The White House omits the phrase Islamist terrorism from Francois Hollande's statements about the coalition between the United States and Europe and what we're going to do when we have to go to Syria and Iraq because that's where ISIS is. That they are sending people and they have people that are supporters and are extended arms of the Islamic State in Europe especially. But also there's no doubt they're here. We saw San Bernardino. We now know how the woman got into the country. We won't say the phrase Islamist terrorism. We won't say radical Islam in our administration. How can we fight it if we won't acknowledge that it exists? Those that would pervert the fine religion of... No one's perverting the religion except the Islamists. They are perverting. Now, there are those in America uh, that quote the Quran and say it's an evil religion and it's Listen, I don't want to argue. I'm not going to fight about it. I'm not. I don't know enough about the Quran, to be honest with you, but I can tell you this. I have taught and written curriculum on Bible studies before. Go look at the Old Testament. Go read the book of Joshua where God commanded the Israelites to kill everything. Kill the men, kill the women, kill the children, kill the animals, and when they are all dead, pile them together and burn everything. Don't take anything. Don't take any of the the riches. Don't take any of the gold. Don't take any of the supplies. Burn everything. So if I pull that out of context, and that truly is out of context, you take that out of context, that's going to be used to show that Christianity is an evil religion. I went to a Baptist church forever, taught at a Bible study, 10 years in a Baptist church. Do you think the Baptist church I attended had anything in common with the Westboro Baptist Church except for the word Baptist in the name? Nope, sure didn't. Sure didn't. So I don't know how different a an average 
Muslim American in their beliefs are from the Islamists we see. But I know those Islamists exist. And I know that radical Islam wants to kill me and wants to kill everything about my way of life. And the White House is omitting the phrase. The Brussels airport partially reopening and the police union that represents the men and women who patrol the streets of Brussels say that as many as 50 ISIS supporters work at the airport, many of them with access to aircraft. I wonder how much press that's going to get in Europe. I wonder when Europe starts to try to fix that problem and they stop being politically correct because they've they've already used the phrase. They've already used the phrase Islamic terrorism. So uh, in a moment, we'll dive into the college system because what's happening in California may very well be happening where you live. And if it is, you should start asking questions as a taxpayer, especially if you have kids that are or will be entering college. It's a fascinating story. We'll get into it here in just a moment. My name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Mike Slater Show. This is Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater is on. So in the state of California, fewer Californians got into the University of California system while foreign students went way, way, way up. About 60% of the 103,000 California applicants were offered a spot on at least one of the University of California's nine undergraduate campuses. That appears to be a record low in acceptance rates, down from about 63% of the 99,000 applicants last year and about 79,000 in 99. The um, UC Associate Vice President for Undergraduate Admission said it was so strong that the public university system had that he expects the ranks of California freshmen will remain about the same. Here's the problem. Here's what's happening. Let me get to some of the other numbers. They have increased, or actually what happened was there was a decrease in in-state students of about 1%. It went up 60%, 16,000 foreign students, people from out-of-state, not just other countries. And the reason is how much money out-of-state students pay versus in-state students pay. To the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars per year with budget cuts and, and instead of cutting salaries, instead of cutting programs, instead of cutting back, The university system stopped serving California kids, California students, because California in-state tuition is so much lower for the same education as out-of-state students and foreign students. And we're finding out the same things happening across the country. The state that I live in, it's required that the uh, in-state tuition be as close to free as possible for in-state students. And there is a department inside the Arizona state university system to recruit out-of-state students. They're expanding it all the time. Out-of-state students at ASU and U of A and NAU, which is Northern Arizona University, pay a lot more money for the same education. So they are catering to the people that are paying more money. So in California, in Arizona, the state cut back 
what the money that they give, millions of dollars that they give to the state university system. So there's the excuse to raise fees. It's hard to raise tuition. It's like, see, they don't raise taxes in the federal government. They raise fees because fees sound a lot nicer than taxes. It's still a tax, but it's the fees. So instead of raising taxes on everybody, they'll raise fees for businesses, like for a business license. A city will do that. We're going to charge you more for a business license or a privileged tax license, which means if you want to work in our city, you're going to collect the taxes and then submit it to the city. We're going to charge you more for those licenses. I know that in the the major city, the major city in Arizona is Phoenix. And in Phoenix, Arizona, they used to be free on weekends to park and after 6 p.m. to park downtown. And parking meter rates were one price. Well, they almost doubled the rate to park. Now you pay until like 11 o'clock at night. And you do it on the weekends, too. And they said, they said, the city said, the businesses asked for this so there'd be a quicker turnover downtown. The businesses said, what are you talking about? None of us want this because nobody is going to come downtown. One of the nice things for being in this area, it's called the Valley. In the Valley, there are a lot of vibrant cities around us with a lot of cool things to do. Downtown Phoenix is a destination and should be a much bigger destination where you've got the major sporting events with the Arizona Diamondbacks season about to start with the Phoenix Suns, a phenomenal franchise in downtown Phoenix. But instead... They're driving people out of downtown. It's not a tax. It's a fee. So this is what happens on college campuses across the country as well. They're not raising tuition. They raise fees, whether it's Internet fees, access fees, parking fees, all these other fees go up. Ask anyone who's paying for college. But isn't it interesting that your tax dollars, if you live in California or whatever state you live in, your tax dollars are paying for these universities, are paying huge, huge prices for universities. And in most states, it's supposed to be a lot less money or as close to free as possible for in-state students. And they are catering to, recruiting, and taking at a much higher rate out-of-state students. The punchline for California is what's been exposed and why all of their nonsense of saying the interest and everything else Higher qualified in-state students were rejected for lower qualified or less qualified out-of-state students. So you got a bigger checkbook out-of-state, we'll take you with with worse grades. So much for being an in-state student and getting good grades. I don't know how you feel about it, but it just seems to me to be an indicator of what's going on with public education. By the way, in Chicago... The teachers' union shut down the Chicago schools in a one-day strike. How is that? I thought the teachers' unions cared about the children. I thought it was all about the kids. Well, the teachers walked out, and about 400,000 students and their parents had to worry about what are we going to do with our kids for the day. And that's exactly what they wanted. The teachers' unions want you to know that we can shut you down, and that's what they did. So in the city of Chicago... American Federation for Teachers Union, her name is Randy when, is it Weinstein, I don't know how it's pronounced, um, showed up in Chicago Friday for a one-day strike organized by the Chicago Teachers Union. Then they went after Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner for showing a blatant disregard for children. So what is walking out of class? What is that? Governor Rauner is trying to dismantle public education and it's just wrong. No, no, it's not wrong. Um, the National Teachers Unions uh, is a problem. 
Shouldn't the states educate their own kids? What do we need a national organization for? There's one thing about a national standard, but you, we give billions of dollars to the federal government. They take their cut, attach a bunch of rules to it, and then say, we'll only give it back to you if you follow our rules. That's what they do. And you, I don't know where you live. I've mentioned, I think I've mentioned this on the network before, but I live in a very diverse place. A diverse uh, diversity in language, diversity in skill, diversity in economic status, diversity in challenges. Different parts of this valley go from the the working poor to the mega rich. They go from the very urban to the very rural. And with that kind of a disparity, it's very difficult to put one standard of education on everybody across the state. Imagine trying to do that across the country. You mean to tell me the same challenges a kid faces in Connecticut, they face in Arizona or California and Texas or Oklahoma and Washington State? This is about unions. This is about control of the dollar. And this is a a disaster. Fighting in public education in our state with a standard that third graders must be able to must be able to read at a third grade level before they can leave the third grade. That law was postponed for a short time because there were thousands of kids that still could not meet the standard and they wanted to get them some remedial reading so they didn't backlog the third grade the first year the law went into effect. Now that system has been audited by the state only to find out that it is under it is not managed properly, there isn't proper oversight, and they're just getting it wrong. It's impossible for me to think that parents don't know or don't care that their children can't read. Every parent cares. If your child can't read at a third grade level, they are destroyed for the rest of their academic and the rest of their life out in the real world. I barely have a high school diploma. That's an accurate statement. I can read. I can write. I construct a sentence. I, can, I earn a living speaking publicly because what I learned was solid at the elementary school level. And we're taking that away from kids taking it away from them. A religious freedom bill signed by the governor of Mississippi and how some people in the LGBTQ community are calling it the worst law of its kind in the country. What are the details here? What's so bad about it? And what are people worried about? We'll talk about that on the other side here. My name is Mike Broomhead, at Broomhead Show on Twitter and the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook. Stick around. You're going to love what's next. Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Mike Slater. All right, thanks for being here. Mike Broomin in for Slater. The uh, the issue in Mississippi, now another religious freedom bill being passed. Listen to the verbiage. This is what's happening. Mississippi governor signed into law Thursday a measure that allows individuals and organizations to sue the government over laws they feel thwart their ability to practice religion. So I'm proud to sign the Mississippi Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which will protect the individual religious freedom of Mississippians of all faiths from government interference. What's interesting is I thought we already had a constitutional guarantee to that effect. 
What's fascinating is that it's been taken away over time. I I don't want to I don't want to get into the defense of this over and over and over again. It's it's ridiculous to think otherwise. But for those that you know they go as far as the separation of church and state, and then they leave it there. Let them. I, I I would have the argument with somebody, but they're not going to have a reasonable argument. They are an end justify the means mindset. There are plenty of things that I think are wrong that I have no recourse to stop. Burning the flag is one I talked about earlier. That is protected. I understand why it's protected. And in the grand scheme of the First Amendment, I would much rather protect that than lose mine. Other people don't see it that way. So let's talk about the religious freedom thing in this bill. If the conversation is about whether or not someone should be forced to make a cake, that's been the biggest one that's used, make a cake for a gay wedding or do the invitations or be the DJ or the photographer for a gay wedding, that is protected by some, for some reason, the gay community is protected, a protected class. Well, I thought in our country there were no protected classes. You see, the Jim Crow laws were wrong in the 1960s. The Jim Crow laws were wrong because they divided a group of people into two categories. And there were two sets of rules for two different groups of people. Well, the gay community said that's what gay marriage did. There was two sets of rules for two different groups of people, heterosexuals and homosexuals. And they should have a right to marry under the government purview because the government can't differentiate between groups of people. Now, whether you subscribe to that or not, that was their argument for getting gay marriage eventually passed across the country. But if that holds true, then they, being the gay community, doesn't take precedence and they're not protected any more than anyone else. So let's make the argument about something else. So I'm hoping, I hope against hope that there's somebody that absolutely disagrees with me is listening. If you are part of the either LGBTQ community or a supporter of that community, would you make a cake for, cater an affair, make the invitations for an event to get rid of gay marriage? The answer is no, you wouldn't. So if you're gay and you're a caterer and I come to your company and I say I am hosting an event to promote marriage between a man and a woman in every state in the country and we're going to start in this state, we're going to have a dinner, I'm inviting all of these people that agree with me, And we're going to raise money to once and for all get marriage defined as between a man and a woman. Should a gay caterer be forced to make the food for that event? Or should they be able to say, I hate you people. No. Is that religion? It's choice. Well, that's different because that's wrong and you're hateful and that's hate speech. No, 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 it's not. It's a difference of opinion. Should someone that is a part of every town or whatever those organizations that are anti-gun now, should a caterer that is anti-gun be forced to cater an NRA fundraiser? Should someone that is adamantly pro-choice 
be forced to make a cake for an organization that is adamantly pro-life. I'm going to host a dinner that is going to fight to end Roe v. Wade. Should they be forced to? The answer to all these questions is no, they shouldn't. No, or should it be the other way around? And if I owned a bakery and somebody that was uh, from every town or whatever those organizations are that are anti-gun came into my bakery and I had NRA posters on the wall and I had, um, you know, everybody in the store is armed and all that other stuff, Second Amendment posters everywhere, chances are you turn around and walk out. You wouldn't want to do business with me because you're about to try to raise money to end the NRA and the end guns and all this other stuff. But somehow, when it's the gay marriage issue, people want to politicize what's supposed to be a great day in their life. I don't know how many of you have ever paid for a wedding, but I have. And if anybody had given me attitude, I'd have went and hired someone else. Never mind said they didn't want to do it. Get a DJ that acts like they don't want to be there. Someone making invitations that acts like they don't want to help me pick out invitations. A caterer that's not really paying attention. I'm gone. Find someplace else. So this law is being billed by the LGBTQ community as anti-gay. The headlines all say anti-gay. Now, this one says Mississippi governor signs religious freedom bill on this story. The other one says anti-gay activists celebrate. Why is it anti-gay? I don't understand that. It seems to me to be pro-freedom. The same premise that got gay marriage passed in the first place, which is everyone has a right to their life and your moral compass doesn't dictate my moral compass. So if heterosexual couples believe that only heterosexuals should get married, good, don't marry someone of the same sex. But your morality doesn't dictate what I do when it comes to the government. If the government gives marriages licenses out, they got to give marriage licenses out. Because everybody in America is supposed to be treated equally. Well, that same principle is not being applied here. I guarantee you, if you went into a Jewish bakery and a skinhead went in there and said to a Jewish bakery, I want one cake that's got a picture of Hitler on it, and I've got another one with a swastika, and I've got another one with the SS logo, and I want these for a party that we're throwing— And that caterer said, no, there wouldn't be the national uproar about this. I'm not comparing gay people to Nazis. I'm just saying you've got polar opposites there. Would anybody want to require a Jewish or a Muslim caterer to make bacon for breakfast for a fundraiser? The answer is no. There's a religious preclusion to that. And even if it's not religion, what if somebody just says, I don't want to? That doesn't mean you have to like it. That doesn't mean that you can't go on any number of the websites like Yelp or any of those sites to talk about businesses or stand outside their door with a sign and say, I'm gay and they won't make a cake for my wedding. And if nobody goes to that place again, then that's the cost of doing business and public opinion said they don't want them in the marketplace anymore. But that's not what's happening. People are having to choose between their moral compass and their livelihood because courts are forcing them and charging them fines. That's not America. We have a right to disagree. You mean gay people and straight people can't coexist even if they disagree? Of course they can. It's been happening for decades. 
But now there's a militant arm of everything. I'll be honest with you. In my opinion, um, I don't think gay people care what you think. The average gay person could care less what you think of their relationship. They don't lead with it. They don't wear it on their sleeve. They're not a gay police officer or a gay anything. They're just a whatever they are that happens to be gay. And they don't care what you think. And if they're going to get married or whatever, and you don't want to work with them, they're going to go someplace else because they'll work with somebody and spend the money with somebody that they want. We're talking about a small faction of a small segment of society that's making a huge ordeal, and the rest of society is caving into this with idiotic, ridiculous ideas. So the Mississippi governor signed something. I don't I would be I'd be beside myself. I would be telling the entire country this isn't anti-gay. It's pro-freedom. You can't force businesses to do business with people. And then they say, "Are you telling me that uh if what if they're racist and they don't want a black couple in their restaurant?" It's not what I'm saying at all. There's a big difference between service and participation, and we all know the difference. If a bunch of skinheads go into a restaurant, you're going to serve, serve them a meal, but you're not going to cater one of their affairs. Big difference. You're coming to me or you're requiring me to do something for you. I'm not participating. And that's it. Sign on the door says we have a right to refuse service to anyone for any reason. Not anymore. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's the right thing in many cases. I'm saying people have a right to do it. The most outrageous behavior has been protected in this country by a lot of people, and now people with some very honestly held beliefs are being told they can believe that way. They just can't behave the way they believe. Seems odd to me. It's not the America I think I've ever envisioned. While we're on the topic, uh, New York and Michigan, the issue of transgender restrooms and the real repercussions of it because the stories are now coming out and some of them are frightening. And it has nothing to do with politics and it certainly has nothing to do with being afraid of a certain group of people or being phobic about anything. So we'll do that here in just a moment. My name is Mike Broomhead and of course, this is the Mike Slater Show. Mike Slater. We'll continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater. Well, I got a few minutes left. Mike Berman in for Slater again this week. Thanks for having me the last couple of weeks. I appreciate you making the Blaze Radio Network a part of your weekend, but also making my show, listening to me for just a little bit of your weekend. Hope um, it's been some informational conversations we ought to be having with people. I think that when you start having conversations with people, especially people you disagree with, walking into the conversation, realizing you're going to at least just try to be understood. You're not going to convince anybody of anything different. You're certainly not going to try to hurt somebody else by calling them. It's one thing to call someone wrong. I have no problem being called wrong. I'm called wrong often. It doesn't bother me. Being called uninformed, being called a puppet, being called blind, being called a sheep, that's the stuff that makes me angry. 
the story, the New York College decides to make all bathrooms gender neutral. Now, this is at the college level. Instead of being classified at men's or women's or single occupancy restrooms, all facilities at Cooper Union will carry descriptive signs describing exactly what lies within. Former men's rooms, for instance, are now labeled urinals and stalls, while former women's rooms carry the label stalls only. Regardless of their type, all bathrooms will be open to whomever wants to use them. Michigan, the school system in Michigan, the State Board of Education, wants to let children choose their gender-assigned bathrooms of choice. Parents, teachers, and students have flooded the boards with pleas to change the policy. At the time of writing, 6,000 comments have been submitted to the Board of Education for more than a dozen or so comments usually left on proposed policies. Many of those commenting on guidance are for mothers afraid their daughter's safety and privacy. Listen, what are we doing? This is not about discriminating against someone that's transgender. It's about decency and treating everybody equally, right? Well, what's the reason why a transgendered high school student or middle school student would want to use a different restroom than their gender assignment? Comfort. A anatomical male living as a female, doesn't feel comfortable with the boys. Well, how about the fact that the females, anatomical females, don't feel comfortable with somebody that's still anatomically a boy in the bathroom with them? Whose comfort wins? Really, isn't that what it boils down to? Or no, what it boils down to is a political statement from a small group of our society that, let's say, let's give them every benefit of the doubt, is trying to be... Kind and inclusive of everyone. But what they are doing is excluding everyone. You mean to tell me sitting down a anatomical, let's say someone's anatomically male and saying to this to this person, listen, we understand what you're going through and we're going to work with you. Uh, From now on, if you want to be known as she we'll work with you. We will make sure nobody beats you up. We're going to make sure kids don't mock you and make fun of you in the hallway. We'll do all of those things for you. And you're going to have to work with us. You're going to have to understand for the comfort of a lot of the girls in the girls' locker room and in the girls' restroom, you got to use the boys' room. And if you want to use the boys' room and make sure that it's empty, we'll, we'll work with you. Just like you would with anything else. I don't understand why we are constantly divide and conquer, divide and conquer, and anybody who wants to say that normal isn't normal or is normal is normal, it has nothing to do with mocking someone that's different. I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand where we're going. I don't understand why everything has to be a fight of hate and, and, and exclusion. It makes no sense to me. Appreciate everybody again for uh, for allowing me to be on the network. I apologize for the technical difficulties we started with. You can find me on Twitter at Broomhead Show, the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook, and all one word, Mike Broomhead on Instagram, if you use Instagram. Hope you'll stay in touch. Thanks for allowing me to be on the network. Hope you have a great weekend and the rest of next week. God bless, everyone. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network.